episode 8 space hello and welcome to yet another episode of cfd whether you are joining us for the very first time or are now familiar with our journey please feel welcome and i hope you find our journey not only interesting and invigorating but also helpful in your quest to understanding who God is and what it means to be a Christian. As I always state, I am not a conventional theologian or a fellow in our mainstream educational systems, not at all. I am not even going to claim that I know more than any of you. All I am doing is inviting you on a -a one-of-a-kind journey as I first discover for myself what it means to know God personally as well as how to understand true Christianity as it is written. The foundation to which I choose to base my starting point is the Bible and I inherently want every human being to know that they were made in the very image of God, fully, perfectly formed, exactly to God's specifications, even when we find fault in within ourselves. Every human to ever be conceived has a special and unique calling that only they can fulfill, and so all lives matter. Let's begin. Today's episode is titled Space, as I wanted to exploit more regarding the wonder that is space. So far, we've been looking squarely at what is written regarding the beginning days from the beginning. In this biblical account written thousands of years ago, we are told of what happened during the very first event that caused everything we see and much that we do not see to come into existence. While nothing or when only the external beings existed, God created the heavens and the earth. What this process consists of is still a major topic of much discussions between Christians and our scientific mainstream understandings. The worldly and accepted scientific, or better termed as a naturalist, way of describing the creation event, or the beginning, is by presupposing a catastrophic singularity event called the Big Bang, when the entire universe as we know it was contained in a microscopic entity. All of a sudden, something caused that entity to explode, sending everything everywhere. The biblical account, however, states that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From what we can observe in our world, much ingenuity, research, planning, wisdom, and so many other complex aspects have to be involved before we can create anything worth mentioning as something of value. We briefly mentioned the processes involved by engineers, 
as they attempt to solve a problem, entire research centers are erected in order to understand much of what we see. Architects, artists, authors, etc., etc., all need a process to which they meticulously devote much of their energies and resources towards until finally the masterpieces arises from their hard work. The statement or phrase God created the heavens and the earth are indeed loaded theses and require much considerations. Information as we know it does not originate from non-information. We should constantly reevaluate our thinking, especially when it comes to motivation, as this is the one is this is as this is one, sorry, of our fundamental drives to just about anything. The earth was void and cloaked in darkness. For sure, science as it pertains to observational or experiential and experimental sciences can answer a lot of the mystery surrounding how the earth may have looked like during those first few minutes and hours of her existence. We can use the data we currently have as collected since when we could record scientific findings, research what narratives were shared through the ages regarding the creation event, and then reconcile the two while accounting for human error at every turn. No model should give a hundred percent of how exactly the earth was like, as none of us were there. But given the information we currently possess in the form of observable data, as well as the narratives of old, we could get a pretty good picture. Speaking of legitimate data and narratives, we have to use the same formula to formulate conclusions regarding our past. Just as there are forensics and crime scenes that can use data collected even dozens of years in the past to convict a criminal who offends years previously, we can come up with pretty great indicators of what may have happened in our past. However, as mentioned, data must be processed objectively and at every level our motivations need to be known and transparent. People's worldview always affects every part of what motivates them to do anything. Finally, when God spoke the words, Let there be light, as it is written, there is profound depth to what those words entail. Life, as we know it, cannot exist without light. From being able to see to our very source of food, just about everything depends on light. We even categorize the very powers that we morally attribute to the good and evil that we observe in our world as being between light and darkness, which we read that God separated, calling one day and the other night. After God created the heavens and the earth, and then spoke light into existence, 
then separated the light from the darkness. This was recorded as the very first day of creation, or the beginning of the world as we know it. In the second day, we're told, he separated the waters from the water, so waters that were above and waters that covered the earth would give way to space. Space, deep space, and deep, deep space can be considered the most mysterious of all that we currently know or don't know about our world. Billions upon billions of dollars are constantly being poured into understanding space and some of the world's greatest minds, Christians, atheists and otherwise alike, are all diligently working at every given moment towards understanding our cosmos. Could some of those resources be used towards eradicating waterborne diseases due to lack of clean water in some of our developed uh, countries, communities, or many developing countries' populations? Indeed. A borehole in a community of a thousand could raise their standard of living simply by having a fresh supply of clean water and the accumulative price of such an endeavor would only cost in the thousands, I don't even think millions. But the conversations regarding such disparities are very deep and complex and have a profound impact on the human heart. We will definitely be diving deep into the issue of money. Space exploration is the new untapped and untamed frontier. There was a time when European and Asian countries decided to go on exploration expeditions in search for new worlds. Much is in our history books regarding this topic, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. The connection between exploring other continents in our past and the chase to conquer planets outside of our own in order to exploit that planet's resources today seem to be birthed from the same womb of ideas. You can now explore some topics such as dark martyr, black holes, and dark energy in relating to what it's contained in our deep space. I believe we will be diving right to the heart of what is contained in the vast spaces beyond our blue skies later on on our journey. After the second day, when God separated waters from above and waters from below, and we will continue asking about the waters above, making space for skies, he said, let the waters beneath the skies be gathered into one place so dry ground may appear. And so it was. God named the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. <sighs> Let's stop here for a moment and consider what is being said. After creating the heavens and the earth, speaking light into existence, separating light from the darkness, creating day and night 
separating waters above from waters below, creating the skies and then separating waters so land may appear, there is a certain theme appearing, but there are even more questions arising. First things first, what are the heavens? Second, what are the heavenly waters? Third, what's in the space created? Fourth, what kind of day and night is God talking about? How did he come up with a day and a night when we don't have a sun yet? When he created the heavens and the earth, did he keep creating or expanding the heavens as the earth was taking shape? Who was with God during those first days? We know of God and the Holy Spirit. Now we know from his word that he separated the biggest bodies of waters in order to give us land. Did this happen simultaneously or for some time? For the most part, we know that Earth's tectonic plates move around causing worldwide events. So in the course of a day, did God cause all the tectonic plates to move around causing volcanoes and creating deep oceans and land surfaces? We don't know. But at this point, it would be fair to say that God could have most certainly caused supernatural, natural occurrences to appear in a span of time we call a day. I mean, think about it. If God can speak light into existence, create heavens and the earth, and then command waters to separate in order for sky and land to appear, as well as all the large bodies of waters we see, then for sure it can be, as they say, in the blink of an eye, everything happened as he spoke it into existence. That's what a supernatural being can do. I am yet to visit the pyramids of Egypt, but I know that someday I will stand underneath the greatest one and exclaim, Indeed, man's ingenuity attests to his creator's wisdom and claim the timelessness of the beginning of wisdom. Thousands years later, and we still marvel at these gigantic man-made structures built well before any type of our modern hoists and cranes were discovered. With simple tools and in a hostile environment, the Egyptians were able to create marvels of wonder that we still puzzle over to this very day and with the appropriate titles, Wonders of the World. When we look at the Sistine Chapel, which is yet another place that I know I will stand below and stare for what will seem like an eternity, one cannot help but simply appreciate the handiwork of Leonardo da Vinci. As his masterpiece was unfolding before the eyes of those who had a chance to see it, da Vinci painstakingly took his time at every step almost as if concluding that this would be his very best work and maybe even his legacy. No physical need could deter him from what he knew to be a very special project. 
He would cut no corners, forego many of his physical urges, and diligently and passionately make sure that the masterpiece he creates will remain his legacy. We have works of art that are priceless in their beauty and masterpieces in the sciences and architecture, mathematics, engineering, carpentry, etc., etc., that remain as a testament to how much creativity is inherently in every single person to ever be created. There are books and many writings written over thousands of years that continue to astound us in their great insights, wisdom, and above all, beauty. Within the time allocated for each and every one of us, I believe is a masterpiece still in the works and needs completion before our time is finally up. Now we have the sky and space, the earth with day and night, cycles guided by presence and absence of light. We have waters above and below the earth and all our big bodies of water collected in single places causing land to appear. I almost picture this progression as in a time lapse. Can you visualize it? Out from the darkness, looking into our world from our perspective, an observer would have noticed the heavens coming into being and then the earth while covered in darkness and completely uninhabitable. Then the observer would have seen God's Holy Spirit hovering on the earth as if surveying the land. All of a sudden, like a flash of lightning, beautiful, all-consuming, majestic light would have appeared. What a sight that would have been to the observer. Then, almost to close down the crescendo of activities from that first day, darkness would give way to the black of night concluding the very first day. Because this is the very beginning of creation, both this worldly observer as well as any other heavenly host would have marveled at then, and then wondered at the beauty of it all. As light appears on the second day, the worldly observer would start to see the separation of waters from the ones in the skies, maybe including clouds, to the waters surrounding the earth below. As everything starts to take shape in the heavens and on the earth, the entire heavenly host, as well as the observer, would all be wowed with excitement and would have many questions as the second day comes to a close and as the light of day gives way to the darkness of night. As the day unfolds on the third day, and as the heavenly host and observer take it all in, the waters on earth are separating into oceans, seas, lakes, and rivers, and dry ground is also appearing. For sure, anyone analyzing what is going on would join the Lord God in saying, It is good. Then God said, let the land 
burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant. And let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And so it was. At this point of our journey, no one would be able to deny the incredible set or sequence of events unfolding in front of our very eyes. In its simplicity and childlike narrative, those of us who pride ourselves of having the highest IQs may now begin to prepare to go to war because of the simple nature of this narrative. For the ones highly educated in our mainstream education institutions and even the ones that know theology well may all conclude that this is too much of a simplistic description of creation choosing rather to conclude that given billions of years the world along with its complex life can begin to exist and indeed continue sustaining itself all without the use of a creator or all the laws governing our universe as we continue to learn on a daily basis. As we continue learning more about the very first days of creation, the more it will become unintelligible to conclude that all we can see came from its own actions, including our very existence. While growing up in the highlands of Africa, we enjoyed many exotic and delicious fruits and vegetables that seemingly covered most of the land. Indeed, the fruits, vegetables, teas, coffee, and many other African-grown plants rival our world's vegetations in supporting human and animal life and are some of the most delicious and nutritious in all of our planet. It was always a great joy when the mango season would finally arrive to a great joy and thousands of mangoes would cover our local mango trees. Then there was passion fruits and papayas, bananas and avocados all growing after their kinds. When we plant the seeds, there are thousands of varieties of grass and seed-bearing plants, so much so that we could acquire all our nutrients just from these plants. Earlier, we briefly mentioned photosynthesis, the process to which all green plants acquire their nutrients by utilizing our sun's energy. Botanical and other agricultural sciences dig much deeper into understanding the complexities that are our plants. And if anyone is interested in learning more about this absolute essential aspect of our life support, I encourage you to not only continue your engagement with CFD, but also to pursue your own studies regarding plants and vegetation because you will not be disappointed. I do, however, want to look at just one crucial system that life as we know it would not exist without. When you think of a seed, what comes to your mind? A plum seed, a watermelon seed, a pumpkin seed? 
For sure, we get many different and to most of us great thoughts when we think of seeds. Since we began farming, seeds have become the very lifeline of controlling food supplies for bad or for worse. Seeds are now monopolized, genetically modified, and then monetized by those with the resources to do so, so that profits may be channeled to some, especially those with much. As before mentioned, the human heart is capable of every possible imaginable evil, and so we need to guard our hearts above all else as we will continue to learn. The evil nature of mankind regarding exploiting each other is a topic I will refer to over and over again as it is written. A seed is, as defined by Wikipedia, an embryonic plant enclosed in a protective outer covering. It goes on to say that seeds are the product of the ripened ovule after fertilization by pollen and some growth within the mother plant. In essence, a seed is the part of a seed plant which can grow into a new plant. It is a reproductive structure which disperses and can survive for some time. A typical seed includes three basic parts, an embryo, a supply of nutrients for the embryo, and a seed coat. In plant life, just as in human life, an embryo is an early stage of development that begins right after fertilization and continues to grow into different parts and organs in multicellular organisms. Almost exactly to the process of the growth of a baby, the female plants receive pollen from the male and after fertilization, the DNA from the female egg and the pollen combine and form a zygote, and then an embryo. The embryo then receives its nutrients while enclosed in a seed coat for protection. Fascinating! Deep inside a mountain on a remote island in the Svalbard archipelago, halfway between mainland Norway and the North Pole, lies the global seed vault. It is a long-term seed storage facility built to stand the test of time and the challenge of natural or man-made disasters. The seed vault represents the world's largest collection of crop diversity and I encourage everyone listening to look it up. This brief introduction of information is all taken from their website. Worldwide, the website continues, more than 1,700 gene banks hold collections of food crops for safekeeping, yet many of these are vulnerable, exposed not only to natural catastrophes and war, but also to avoidable disasters, such as lack of funding or poor management. Something as mundane as poorly functioning freezer can ruin an entire collection and the loss of a crop variety is as irreversible as the extinction of a dinosaur animal 
or any other form of life. The vault was designed as a backup plan to store copies of every seed we deem important for centuries to come. It is the final backup for global food supplies. The thought that the seed vault has the capacity to store 4.5 million varieties of crops with each variety containing on average of 500 seeds and so a maximum of 2.5 billion seeds may be securely stored in it is mind-boggling. We are unpacking a whole lot of material here and obviously this is simply an overview of ever deeper side trails or detours that some of you may choose to explore before returning here to CFD as the main highway towards understanding who God is and what it means to be a Christian. When God said, let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant and let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit, the seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came and so it was. The land was filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. This description pretty much answers the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? At this point, it is being made blatantly clear that anyone who believes in the scriptures of old will need to come up with some conclusions. As the days progress after creating the heavens and the earth, God is now only commanding or speaking things into existence from light to the very source of nourishment for all living organisms as we know it. Is the Arthur making some fundamental mistakes here? Is he not following the chronological order of the day's events as he moves along with the creation narrative? Again we ask, from the first day and night without the sun and the moon, and then now with every blade of grass and every seed bearing after its kind without the sun, how can this be so? Any thinking person will come to these three conclusions. 1. The truth is as it is written. 2. The writer made a mistake while recording and so anything can go into question regarding the validity and credibility of the scriptures as in they can be wrong. 3. The scriptures are simply wrong. Interpretations such as these are not literal days or the writer got the chronological order wrong seem to be contradictory at best because the sequence of events being described here seem to follow a daily cycle of events and is thorough in giving enough information necessary to either conclude that there is a supernatural hand at work here or it is all a farce. It cannot be both. Again, 
our worldview will always dictate the interpretation of the data we perceive. It would not make sense for these writings, consistent with their Hebrew interpretations, to follow such a precise order of being thousands of years ago without a clear intent. The invocation of an almighty being to some is unacceptable, and many reasons are given for such mindsets. I believe that most people choose not to believe in God either due to someone hurting them terribly uh, while using God as the excuse or irreconcilable conclusions regarding a good and almighty God that allows bad and horrible things to happen to the earth and her inhabitants. The child who is molested by the very clergy who stand as God's spokespeople is something many people lose their belief in God over. The kid who violently gets taken from the arms of his loving parents, made to murder them, and then forced to train as a killing, well-refined killing machine, is a cause for many to lose their faith in God. As the Jews, the Gypsies, the, the ones with special needs, the blacks, and all the others that did not feel the mold of evil personified in the Nazi regime, left many justifiably saying, where was God? As many people continue to ponder the implications of the pain we see in our world and all throughout our history, I am here refraining from giving any justification for God's apparent silence and apathy as I would like us to just to justly give the Bible an opportunity to respond to these deepest of questions that loom inside most of us. I don't believe it to be wise to jump into conclusions before we've, we have had a chance to read what is written regarding this and many other problems. See, one of the problems with us humans is that we're too quick to judge. Judging situations can be helpful at times, and even judging some people's character may help us refrain from getting ourselves into all forms of trouble. However, if judgments are made creating mistrust and misconceptions, then even the likelihood of a proven wrong outcome becomes eluded. Therefore, when we judge, we constantly need to reserve our impulses to categorize everyone in a certain way, even if we had one, two, or even more bad experiences that led us to those conclusions. There is always much more than meets the eye. We should consider that the same measure we use to judge others will also be used to judge us. Not to worry, we will talk much, much more about this topic of pain. This biblical narrative seems to be describing a supernatural event that is bringing forth all forms of natural events. If you were an all-knowing God, I wonder, would you have created or 
ordered the universal events to come into existence in a way that would leave your creation, if they were able to, to wonder about who you were and what your attributes are like? Would you have created anything like what we see? As one who is ever-present and timeless, would you have seen me and us pondering over these great mysteries? Yet, so simple a child could understand them as it is written? As humans, and even in the animal kingdom, we see a common progression in what is expected from young offsprings. Animals prepare nests and their dance in anticipation of the little one's arrival. Chicken lay and then lie on their eggs when ready to be parents of little chicks. They also become very defensive of both their eggs and the chicks that hatch afterwards. It is common knowledge never to confront a mother with her young ones as she will fiercely and courageously protect them. Even the humble chicken, which has become synonymous with cowardice, becomes an aggressive protector from anyone, does not matter who, threatening her little ones. My wife is currently pregnant with our very first child. I am noticing myself having many different thoughts regarding fatherhood, but the one thing that stands out the most is how to be the very best father that I can be. I had to make some sacrifices in the process of coming together to make a child. I had to be intentional in my thinking about what needed to happen in order to be ready. I have been making objective steps that I needed to, to take in order to give my offspring the very best possible path into life while equipping them with everything that I can provide for their successful growth. When conceived, my child was always at the mercy of the one who put the genetic code in all that has life. The instructions to develop my little one's limbs were recorded well before a single moment of their life had existed. The well-preserved information from just the right seed out of billions then made its way to my wife's awaiting egg that was ready to receive it. From that moment on, almost like when God created the heavens and the earth and then continued to form the formless mass called earth in the days that progressed, so did unity between my seed and my wife's egg begin to divide and multiply in one of the most complex and beautiful occurrences of life as we know it. Day by day, with each passing moment, as God's Holy Spirit once carried out the commands given by God, and there were every kind of plant, complex structures were taking shape in my wife's womb as each passing moment gave way to a new being of my soon arriving baby. As we hear the heartbeat and see the body movements of our budding bundle of joy, I cannot help but be marveled at it all. Soon, 
I will be holding my baby in my arms as one who is an absolute miracle in every sense of that word. I will then need to teach them everything they need to learn in order to become good people. And once they reach the age of accountability or maturity, then they will become their own people, answerable for themselves. But until then, I continue enjoying the wonder that is involved in the processes that lead to each and every one being alive right now. It is no wonder I see people as being priceless. Thank you for joining me on this journey today. May the one who takes delight in his creation continue to take delight in you. I love you, but God loves you more. Until next time, be well and God bless.